Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 216. Glad you could join us. We got a nice list of topics here, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Bait. Oh my god, I have to go first. Um, hi, I'm Bait. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Florida man. Uh, and yeah, I play games. What are you playing right now? Um, I am uh, mining in EVE, and I am uh, finishing up a little bit of uh, Assault Android Cactus. Ooh, can we get a review later this episode? Uh, yeah, for sure. Nice. All right, Jay, you're up. Hey, what's up? This is Jay, and uh, I am also a gamer. I'm one of the purveyors here at the Biomatic, Biomass Media Empire, and uh, we're playing some Fortnite in the background, so you'll excuse the sound of the shotguns that my co-pilot is making, who said he was going to turn the TV down while the podcast was going on. That's code for turn the TV down. Okay. So, uh, I do play some games, uh, and I'm, I've been kind of getting reinvigorated back into Destiny 2. I've always kind of kept it kind of warm a little bit, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of uh, getting more and more interested in what they're going to be doing for Forsaken. They actually have a fairly big update coming out, which we can talk about uh, you know, here this week, actually. It's kind of in preparation for uh, the Forsaken drop. So, other than that, uh, I still kind of hit up a lot of my mobile games, things like that, that I've been really spending a lot of time with. Uh, and I'm actually starting to kind of uh, dig back into the old way back of some old first-person shooter games uh, to try to see what's out there that uh, kind of go the old uh, what still holds up and what doesn't hold up. And I can assure you that uh, after playing a little bit of uh, Far Cry number one, whatever that was called, Far Cry number one was, it is, it is not all that I remembered it to be. So... That's me in a nutshell, and I'm now simulating that I'm in a nutshell. I'm using my hands <laughs> mime as I move around my body, pretending I'm in a nutshell. This, this makes for great radio, I'm sure. By the way, I spent most of the afternoon drinking and eating barbecue, so this should be a fantastic show. Jay is actually the happiest person in the show right now, so we'll, we'll let him have his fun in a nutshell. Um, Livy, you're up. Hello, I'm Livy, and I am uh, regrettably sober during <laughs> Jay's excitement. Um, I am a gamer, too, do blogging stuff. Project Nova updates, etc. And I am, of course, uh, Pokey Draven. I help host the show here, and I did the Dungeon Crawl with Livy, and I'm also doing a lot of stuff with Project Nova. Um, as you may have caught with my little bit of blunder in the beginning there, I am so used to saying, starting at the top of the list with Sarayazel, um, because he is always here. Uh, he unfortunately could not make it to this episode. It is unfortunately the first episode he has not made it to. But considering he you know, had a record of 215 episodes consecutive of not missing one, which is way better than any of the rest of us uh we gotta give him props where it's due so uh zell could not join us today but he should be back next week so let's get started with some news here living zombie land 2 what's going on with that uh yes so um i was excited but not expecting this zombie land 2 i thought the first one ended pretty solid but i guess they have more what has it been 10 years um and they're going to have the original cast that played the uh, four main characters coming back. So we should hopefully be seeing that um, in January, them either, you know, finishing up the filming and then it's supposed to hit theaters October of 2019. That's a little ways off, though, but uh, that's, not, that's, that's pretty cool. I, that, yeah, you're right. That's not something that I was expecting to see ever, but uh, that's pretty badass. That's cool it's hard because the first one was good. Like, so good. And then I, when they I, always come up I, with the sequels, you're like, you're going to ruin it. You're going to kill it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that's that's literally what I was kind of thinking. I just saw that news uh, earlier this morning, actually. 
And much like you, Livy, I was kind of in the, I, I'm not sure how to think about this because I really enjoyed that first one a lot and it kind of ended in the right spot. And, you know, and I like a lot, all the actors in it are, are quite good and, and obviously continue to go on and do some good things, but I'm just not sure I want to see Lex Luthor, you know, ducking zombies, you know? <laughs> like a bad Lex Luthor, too. Oh, not even good Lex Luthor. oh, my God. And supposedly, like, the zombies have evolved, so I'm assuming that it's taking place a lot later in the area of Washington, D.C., so there, there's a change of scenery and maybe some evolution that happened, but, you know, still hoping they don't kill it. So, for those of us who have no idea what you're talking about, what is zombie land? Describe it. Livy's like had a long, deep sigh back here. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. It was, it's a movie you need to watch. That's what I'm going to say. That's not helpful. I it's assume so, there's zombies and there there's There's zombies, okay. there's roller coasters, and there's Twinkies. I think that's... Twink? There are Twinkies. Yes, hey, Twinkies. Speaking of Twinkies, <laughs> do they still make those things? Or did they stop In, making them? Yeah, yes, they do. Oh, they, they do? They do, yeah. Uh, okay. I think they're like right. knockoff Twinkies, though. You can tell who goes to the grocery store. So, so for a resident 17 year old of the podcast, 19, um, thank you. Same thing. Uh, at my age, you're, you all sound the same. So it, it, long story short, you know, this, I think this movie came out back in like 2009 Nine. or early 2010, something yeah, like 2009. That. So it's, it is, it's been a while and, uh, you had Woody Harrelson, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone and God, what was the other girl's name? Um, Oh, dude, this is a great-looking cast. Abigail Breslin. So uh, it's basically kind of, it's it's a very, very uh, well-made and well-acted campy zombie movie uh, with those four as kind of the, the protagonists slash competitors in the movie. Uh, and even Bill Murray was in it, which was hilarious. He was hilarious. He's like, he had this unpaid, or not unpaid, but this like uncredited sort of uh, bit role and he and he was hilarious in the movie, uh, so it, it's a really good flick, uh, and they have a lot of neat memes that kind of started up about it that you'd probably recognize. Uh, it is, as Livy said, it is definitely well, well worth the Netflix watch. Uh, it's quite good, and, and the way the movie ended, basically, you know, the four of them were, you know, sort of in a in a quote unquote good place place in the zombie apocalypse, and, pro and things were looking up. So, uh, you know. I chalk this into the, is it, you know, the, the sequel that I didn't know that I wanted and I'm not sure I do, even though I really like the first movie category. Pretty much. All right. Sounds pretty good. So you said that, that was uh, October next year? Yes. Okay. Pretty good. All right. So moving along here, uh, another movie that is coming out that we had talked about several weeks ago that it was kind of a rumored, probably going to happen, but not really official was the Black Widow movie um, being produced by, of course, Marvel and Disney. So what's going on with that, Libby? So, yes, uh, Marvel is officially saying that Black Widow movie, the Black Widow movie is a go. Um, and they brought on a director that I had to even look up, Kate Shortland. Um, and she's a foreign director. Um, forgot where she, she mainly is. But she has other movies that I would say not many people know about. Um, one is called Lore, and the other one is called Somersault, and there's a couple others. But they're all kind of drama. They have history aspects, German German history, romance kind of theme. And she has, like, one horror one. But they're, like, really almost on that level, I want to say, like, a foreign indie film. Um, 
but yeah, so it should be it should be interesting bringing her on to get that point of view because I I don't think any Marvel movies have gone that deep into that mood of the uh, war times, the Nazi war times, kind of. Yeah, that's that's going to be kind of curious to see because I think that that will definitely give it kind of a, a different feel than what you're probably going to expect from what you see in kind of the Marvel Avengers extended universe. I think it's going to be kind of off to the side in terms of tone and may not be for, you know, bring your small kids to go watch because this isn't, you know, Spider-Man. But uh, I'm kind of curious to see kind of what the rating is going to be on that one and actually where they kind of take the overall feel and tone of the film. Uh, I guess one of the questions I have is, yeah, do they intend to kind of go with, I'll be kind of interested if that is a, like what, how they want to set that one up. Is it going to be more Marvel-y or is it going to be a, you know, like a spy action thriller with some Nick Fury overtones. I'd be kind of curious to see how that, how that kind of plays out. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at. It was just, it, it's going to be really curious to see what they do with it. If they're going to make it what we're used to, or try to do something a little bit different, just due to the nature of the character and that sort of thing. So it should be good. I know I was, I was sitting here thinking about that. Um, but you know, I'm actually pretty excited because I think Scarlett Johansson does a great, has done a great job with uh, Black Widow, and and she's you know she is she's not like or was not a super A-list character in Marvel's roles you know prior to the uh, to the Avengers movies, uh, you know if if you just kind of just by like comic book sort of popularity, but what I think would be kind of a neat thing that they could do is they could probably still kind of go with that Winter Soldier vibe, kind of the the spy thriller vibe, but Using her, uh, particularly if they're, they want to showcase her, would be a really good way to kind of bring in uh, like smaller niche kind of characters or smaller kind of niche characters or like some other like lesser known kind of superheroes from the Marvel Universe as kind of being uh, around, around her or working with her if they don't want to bring in major uh, Avenger allies. Yeah, I think it'll give them kind of an interesting, uh, Winter Soldier is, is a good example, like you said, it'll give them an interesting way to kind of take that tone and maybe play around with some of the timeline and, and introduce some characters that they are going to want to kind of extend this universe moving forward, as we've seen with, you know, kind of the end of Infinity War and some of the upcoming films that they're, they're trying to bring in more characters to work with, and this will probably be a good entry point for a lot of those, I think. All right, so moving along here, so... <laughs> This isn't typically, you know, the uh, the type of movie we talk about, but have you guys seen the trailer for that Christopher Robin flick? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. What, what, what do you think about that one? Eerie. It makes me so sad. It, it is eerie. It's like, whoa. It's like, is this a cross between mental problem and no kidding? Like... So, I like, we saw Ant-Man and Wasp uh, yesterday, and they had, like, a, a big uh, Winnie the Pooh kind of lay down in that. It's a It's a little... It's a little frightening. This is one of the ones where maybe cartoon characters, like in a big live action, super well done in Disney Uber budget, maybe sometimes they start to look a bit creepy when they're real. Just start it out there. Get that uncanny valley going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a little... <laughs> I'm watching it again, and like, don't get me wrong, like, I've been a Disney fan since I was a small kid, so, you know, Winnie the Pooh is near and dear to my heart, but... Watching this trailer, kind of in that mindset, I'm like, he's talking to this really kind of weird looking CGI stuff there. Dude, he looks um, old. Like, dude, Winnie the Pooh's been hitting the bar a little bit, man. He's kind of gray on the side. Well, that's Christopher Robin he's talking to. He's like, you know, an adult. So he's oh, not, no, no, the bear. No, the, the bear. bear. The bear. He's kind of gray on this. What? 
my point is that he, Christopher Robin had the bear when he was a kid. He's like 35 and 40 now, so the bear is old as shit. Hugh McGregor is, is <laughs> as old or older than I am. <laughs> yeah, like, looking. actually, Tigger looks really bad. Like, Dude, Tigger's he, like, I've seen He is used stuff, up. <laughs> that, that's like the... That's like the that version of the Tigger is the one you see like in the uh, MTV documentary after he's come out of rehab they all fought some stuff from the show that like we thought this was over we thought this was over it almost reminds me of um, oh what was that movie a Swiss Army Man oh god it, it has that feeling to it like talking to the, the guy oh my god did you guys ever see Swiss Army Man? No. Uh-uh. Holy, that was not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> like Swiss Army Man? What is so this? So it, it had a... a, a who, uh, Harry Potter guy. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, uh, wait, is it, uh, is it Neville Longbottom? No, no, uh, the guy who plays Harry Potter. Oh, uh, Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe. That's all I know. I don't yeah, really know Daniel his real name. Daniel Radcliffe. I just call him Harry Potter. Yeah, which so I'm it's, sure he it, loves. It's basically, and I'm going to like really brief summary. So this guy is like going to go kill himself and he ends up on this Island somehow. And the corpse of Daniel Radcliffe like washes up on shore. Um, and so he like is talking to the corpse and the corpse like wakes up and the guy realizes that the corpse of Daniel Radcliffe is talking to him and can do like all kinds of crazy shit. Like he like gets on top of him and Daniel Radcliffe starts like farting, like passing gas nonstop. And he rides him like a jet ski. <laughs> Um, and that's how it starts, okay? And it's basically this complete, absolute bullshit mind trip the whole way. And you think it's going to have this really positive message, and then the end is just the creepiest shit you've ever seen. And it ends up with his corpse, like, floating off. And you have to see the train wreck that that was, that film, because it's all over the place. I think I had, like, a fever when I watched it. I think I was sick that day, which made it even worse. But you should watch it for how bad it is because it's so fucking weird. But yeah, Swiss Army Man. That's that's one to check out. Is is it is it intended to be that way or did it turn out that I way? I think it's intended to be. It's intentional. Okay. Yeah, it's. All right, I, all right, I can work with that then. Anytime they say you can use my body like a Swiss Army knife, and yeah, no, it's it. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the details because it's 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 very crude humor, but it's uh yeah, it's it's intentionally bad. All right, so enough of Daniel Radcliffe farting. Um, so gaming news, Fortnite Season 5 and how it destroyed PSN for like three days. That was fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy, you're not joking. Wow. You know what like, I think destroy? What? Xbox. That's because all the cool kids play on PS4. Come on, bait. At least I could play Fortnite Season 5. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I was trying to play Monster Hunter like the day that Fortnite came out in PSN didn't know what to do with itself. I just said, <laughs> forget it. I'm going to go work on something else. Like it just, it, it was unplayable the whole, the whole weekend pretty oh, much. Yeah. De- Destiny had, Bungie had this big, uh, like, uh, backend update they were going to do to prep for Forsaken on the day that it came out. Bad timing. It, like, you could Ooh. not get it, like, you could not get into match. You could not. I mean, you basically, it was, it was almost unplayable for most of the night when it came out. <laughs> it's like, who let that happen? Two major updates on the. Mm. I I tell you what though. All right, so have you guys have you guys checked out what's in season season five though? Have you guys been looking at it? Yeah, it's great. It is awesome. Like, so I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here watching boy uh, run through like trying to hunt me some deer to eat, and uh, he wow. is one the golf carts bomber. Amazing. Uh, huge fan of golf carts. 
And this, the skins and the stuff that they've done to the map is actually really, really cool. I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I, the gameplay of Fortnite is, is kind of not my forte, but the what they've done with this, and if this is normally how their seasons go, or I don't know if this is like a big one for them, but I, you totally understand why, why, they, why they have such a, a, a following in terms of the, the game. But it's really cool. They've definitely changed up the map. A lot of the geography's changed. Um, the skins, there's a lot of Viking scheme, uh, you know, kind of schemes. There's one that, that definitely has some shades of uh, Kratos. Uh, there's one they just released today called the Magnus skin, which is this inc- like uber awesome Viking Odin looking guy. Uh, but there's, it's really cool. I, I'm, I'm like pretty, pretty impressed with what they've done with the updates. I think it's really awesome that, you know, that Epic is, that they can change their map like this. Because if you, if you look at the map of, uh, of Fortnite season four, um, and compare it to what they have now. The whole like southeastern, I think that is the whole southeast of the map is it, it's a whole new terrain, it's a whole new area, and it, it's it's really good that um, that they're able to change the map like that. Well, it helps that the whole thing is built on like the Save the World campaign engine, which is mm-hmm. procedurally generated maps. So it's like literally just swapping out sockets of pre-made stuff, and you can change it on the fly. So I mean. They got really lucky with that, but I think it's it's really smart that they're able to pretty much constantly keep things in flux. Because, I mean, like, you know, with, like, PUBG, it's, like, one fixed map, and then they add, like, a whole new fixed map. But with this, it's, like, we can change, like, a quarter of the map every couple of weeks and keep mm-hmm. it always a little bit different. Like, it's it's really smart, and it's really cheap for them to do that, which is pretty badass. And, I mean, it works, too. I mean, it, it's not, the changes aren't, aren't bad at all. Um, I wouldn't say they're they're great. Yeah, I like their little marketing campaign when they, uh, you know, did the whole Der Burger in the uh, in the the real world thing. Uh, that was pretty cool. I, like my kids running around uh, coming out of one of the cities, and there's like a big stagecoach here. So, guaranteed, there's gonna be some cowboy skins here pretty soon, you know, like gunfighter yeah. skins or whatever. You know, because they've already kind of got all the Viking skins and stuff. So, it's. It's fun. I mean, this is a this is definitely a fun a fun game. It's a good offering on their part, I think. Um, you know, I I don't see any, and I don't think there's going to be any like really innovative gameplay kind of stuff going on in the near future, just because that's that's not what their model is. But it's it's a pretty good update. So I see that a lot of the marketing stuff, like one of the big posters, so like pretty much shows off a obvious homage to like the god of war axe the leviathan axe whatever do you think we're going to get any sort of like god of war crossover like we did with like infinity war or something like that i don't know but it wouldn't surprise me and, and interestingly enough like uh fortnite's kind of become one of those sort of um i wouldn't say unique but kind of one of those rare properties that other developers are actually kind of cool with the press that they get from getting a a fortnite homage so I, I think I, you know I, I think that it wouldn't surprise me, and I think the guys over at Sony Santa Monica would probably think it's pretty awesome that they do that. Yeah, I mean, it all like I said, I don't play Fortnite, but I mean, just looking at all the stuff coming out in season five, it looks oh. looks really solid. Like just, I mean, tons of content. Play, the Santa Monica guys, they're they're also the ones that were okay with being able to have the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet in God of War. You know that, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, which is awesome, by the way. That thing is that thing's, thing's killer good. Wait, was that? 
that that came out of totally left field for me. Like I did not expect anything like that. And they were just like, yep, it's in there. Have fun. I was like, oh shit, maybe they could do this with more stuff, which is when they were showing off like, you know, the axe in like the promotional material. I was like, Hey, make it happen. Like, come on. I want to like have like throwing the axe and sucking it back. Like God of war, that'd be badass. So it'd be really cool. They could do something like that. I, you know, it would surprise me. I mean, like Bungie surprised me. Uh, you know, we talked about a little bit later with some of the updates that they're, they've got coming to, to forsaken. They're adding different in-game mechanics that are kind of like leaving certain things in the in the, the game world like that, with player objects. You know, that it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it, it'd be kind of cool actually if, if you could have a uh, uh, like an axe that you could throw or something like that. That would be that'd be pretty killer. Yeah, that'd be badass. And I'm, I'm always curious to see what they're going to come up with next. I just you know wish that PSN wouldn't die whenever they push out a big update because it was it was pretty nasty. But I kind of get it because I mean. Fortnite's going crazy, which kind of brings me to my, my next topic. So, um, as you guys, you know, obviously know, so Epic Games, which is the company that makes Fortnite, they are the creators of the Unreal Engine. And the Unreal Engine um, is on its fourth iteration, and it's used by a lot of studios, even big name studios like, um, well, CCP is using it for Project Nova. Square Enix is using it for a couple of their big titles coming out. It's it's become much cheaper to use a pre-canned engine rather than custom making one every single time. So Epic does pretty well with that. And it also caters well to indie developers because the engine itself is free. So if you want to make a game, you can download the engine and I think up to $10,000 in revenue, you can keep all of that. And then after that, Epic gets a percentage of whatever money you make on top of that amount. So it's basically, you can build this game for, build your game for free with Unreal Engine. And if you're successful, we get a little bit of a cut, but if you're not, don't worry. You can you know keep what you what you make, and along with that, they have the Unreal Market. And so the Unreal Market is basically you can content creators can make assets for games. So you can make you know houses, cars, guns, whatever, and they're compatible with the Unreal Four engine. And people can upload these, and they basically get like a cut of whatever sales. They get like seventy percent of that cut, and Epic gets like thirty percent. And so if you're you know making a game, you can go into the marketplace, purchase assets. Epic makes a little bit of profits. The creator makes some money. You get the asset for your game and it will work with the engine you're playing with. So it's pretty cool. So Epic came out this week and said, hey guys, listen, we are making so much money with Fortnite. We don't even know what to do with it anymore. So what they've noticed is that because of the success of Fortnite, the traffic for the marketplace has spiked like 30% with people submitting stuff. And they're like, cool, this is more money for us. And so what they're going to do is they're going to change their ratio from 70% going to the creator and 30% going to Epic and bumping that so 88% goes to the creator and 12% goes to Epic. So basically they're going to be paying people more for content that they sell on the Unreal Marketplace, which is pretty which badass. For them. But I guarantee they did. So they crunched some numbers and they're like, you know, yeah. We could probably end up making more money if we charge less, <laughs> right? In, in in that because the number is kind of specific. Like it went up, you know, eighteen uh, percent specifically. It's a little strange number. So I'm guessing there's some some spreadsheet magic happening in the back end there. However, hey. the big bit is this change is also retroactive. So the marketplace Ooh. opened about four years ago. So if you created something and sold it on the market any time in the last four years, they're going to go back and pay you what the difference would have been 
before and after that change. So you'll basically get like 18% more on whatever you sold in the marketplace for the last four years. That's pretty killer. Yeah. So, I mean, some people could be (laughs) expecting a very surprising, nice check in the mail simply because of this change, because they were, you know, selling some asset for the last four years and they're like, hey, here's money. Quick breaking news. All right. So uh, my son just whipped through the marketplace on Fortnite and in today's uh, skins that you can buy, you've got Magnus, the the super, super Odin looking uh, Viking. And the harvesting tool that they have is this thing is an axe called the forebearer that looks uh. <laughs> exactly like Kratos's axe. <laughs> like when I say exactly, like, I mean, exactly like Kratos's axe. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty damn on point. No, that's that's badass. That's really cool. 800 feet bucks. Nice. Hey, so that is interesting, though, that like Epic is definitely printing money right now. And that's a great point because uh, a lot of people, they, they fr- frankly, they forget that they are, you know, the keepers of Unreal, of the Unreal Engine. You know, uh, I, I'm interested to see how this they continue to to develop on that side of their business model, not just the, you know, the Fortnite side, but. Because I believe that, I mean, what version of Unreal are they on? Like four point something right It's now? on four, yeah, four something. Yeah, I mean, so they, 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 it's not like they just put that out and they just kind of let it out in the wild and, and it's it's the same thing it was 12 years or 13 years ago. It's literally, you know, they, they do a good job of keeping it fairly updated and stuff for uh, for modern utilization. So I think, I, I think they've, they've got a pretty good business model going on when pretty much all they got to do is, keep Unreal working, which then you know, kind of directly supports their ability to operate Fortnite and then keep Fortnite popping, uh, they're, they can kind of do whatever they want. They're, they're going to have some money uh, and some assets at some point where they can uh, branch out and do something maybe totally different. Who knows? Yeah, and I mean, it's obviously showing that they're they're in a very comfortable place because remember when they had Paragon, which is kind of that uh, third-person MOBA that didn't do so well and they decided to shut it down, they basically said, hey, if you spend any money on this game, you can get a full refund. Just let us know and we'll give you the full refund on it. So not everyone requested a refund, obviously, but they were willing to say, hey, we will take 100% loss on the production of this title um, to give money back because, you know, we didn't deliver on the final product like we wanted to, which is you wouldn't see that normally unless a company is very confident that they are OK financially because that could be a huge loss. And then they actually went on to say, hey, all the assets we use for Paragon, we're putting it on the Unreal Market for free. So if you want to play around with those assets, go for it. We're done. We're just kind of writing it off. You know, it, it's it's through. So, I mean, they're they're very confident right now. And it shows with their like their, their marketing for um, the month of May. We talked about it last week that it was an estimated over $300 million. So it came out that finally the final count, $318 million for the month of May alone for Fortnite. And it's been growing like, by like a hundred million since January, like insane, absolutely insane. So yeah, like, like you said, Jay, they I mean, they're, they're in an interesting place to kind of start expanding. I think in, in with these moves, they're saying to content creators out there, Hey, we will take really good care of you. If you, you know, submit to our store and, and, and encourage people to use our engine and buy the assets, like they're in a really good place right now. And it's going to look very attractive. If you're like a 3d modeler or a texture or something like that, um, you're going to, I mean, 88% is high, is much higher than the, the average market value for that. Like 70 was kind of like the average. 
So you're getting way more money for your effort if you're going through Unreal um, and Epic for this, which is it's it's very advantageous to them because they're going to kind of corner the market and go, hey, we're the we are the game in town if you want to work with a third party engine. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And, and, and the interesting thing is like you see like a lot of they used to be kind of a marketing tool when people would when different companies would make their their game engine. That was something you would you, you would see that on the box. And he was like, you know, so and so powered by Unreal, so and so powered by Frostbite or by whatever, uh, you know, Unreal is probably the most popular of those because it's probably the most well saturated one out there. Frostbite's probably the next one I would suspect. Uh, but that's like I said, Fortnite or Crushing Epic Games, they are definitely in the catbird seat. So, hey, hats off to them. For sure. Epic for developer of the year. I'm going to call it right now. Those guys are great. Yeah, maybe. All right. So, moving along here, I wanted to do a quick update on Monster Hunter World. So, currently, the Twilight Summer Festival is running. So, there are all kinds of events. If you aren't familiar with the way Monster Hunter World does events for their, their seasonal festivals, basically any event um, since the beginning of the game is available on during the, the week of the, the festival. So if you missed something like, hey, I forgot to go get like the Wyvern Ignition Greatsword or something, um, which was like a limited event, you had to do it like in that week. If you hit it up during one of the festivals, you have a chance to get it again. So if you actually go into the event tab, there's like four pages of stuff you can do. Um, luckily I have been keeping up pretty well, but if you're behind, there's a lot of stuff you got to catch up on. So, um, it's worth looking into. There's plenty of videos on YouTube, uh, talking about like, Hey, here's the events you should pay attention to. So I'm not going to go into all of them. Um, but there are some good layer armor stuff that you can get, um, some new armor, new weapons, that sort of thing. Um, just kind of take a look around. You'll be able to find out all the specifics on how to get those. And they are pretty cool and, and pretty good looking. So it's, it's a good event. Um, I've got a few things I need to kind of fill out to, to complete my roster, like some cool Vatoroth stuff i got to finish up and, and get some more of those uh, Bushi tickets to get the layer armor, but uh, lots of good stuff happening. But the big one was the Behemoth update. So uh, as we've talked about before, there's a crossover event between Monster Hunter World and Final Fantasy XIV, and this is kind of like a dream that these two developers have had for like seven years to make this crossover happen. So they're going all out for this because it's like, we may only get one shot at this, so we're going to really go for it. So uh, what they're doing is they're transplanting the behemoth monster from Final Fantasy XIV into Monster Hunter World, which is something they've never done before. They've never had like a, a monster from a different franchise in the game. So this is pretty badass. So I thought it was just going to be, hey, here's a behemoth fight. It's pretty cool. You know, it'll be, it'll be like a normal fight in Monster Hunter. But they actually released some new information in a new trailer showing exactly what's going to be happening. So when I say a direct translation from Final Fantasy, I, I really mean a direct translation. So Final Fantasy XIV is an MMO game. So it's a getting like a party of like four to eight people or like a rate of like 24. And you go and find a monster. And there's mechanics where, you know, I, hey, you have to stand over here and hit this switch at the right time and don't get hit by this big circle AOE. And it's a lot of like maneuvering around the battlefield and positioning yourself and doing attacks to kind of whittle the monster down. And, and yeah, then you guys all get in your menus and stare at your, your like, yes. uh, like Final Fantasy Barbies for like an hour and a half. And then you build furniture, right? Yes, there's lots of furniture. But that happens after the fight once you like, okay. you like jump off his horn and like carve it into like, you know, like a chair. Um, but you got to kill the thing first. So. There is a particular fight in Final Fantasy XIV where you fight a, a behemoth or a king behemoth specifically. And it's this big giant behemoth, right? 
And there's mechanics where, like, okay, in an MMO, you've got, like, a tank, and the tank has to hold aggro by attacking the monster, and the monster will just attack the tank as long as he holds aggro while the DPS does damage and the healer's healing. And in this fight, like, he drops these meteors down, and you have to hide behind the meteors because he drops this huge comet, and you have to kind of, like, hide behind the meteors so the blast doesn't kill you. Um, that is exactly how it's going to work in Monster Hunter World. So there's no aggro mechanic in Monster Hunter World except for this fight. So basically, you're going to kind of want to build your party around having like a tank, like someone with like a shield, people who DPS, and someone who's like set to like heal the group, basically. So as you do damage to the behemoth's head, you actually get like this aggro meter where it locks on to that, that person, and they pretty much sit there and just tank the damage while everyone else beats on it. And then it starts dropping, like I said, like these meteors, and then the comet, and you got to hide behind it. So it's it's pretty much like the exact same fight from Final Fantasy, but translated into Monster Hunter mechanics, which is really really cool. Like well beyond what I thought they were going to do with it, which is really impressive. So, you know, they had like a twenty minute gameplay that the developers did, which is pretty funny. Um, a few of them got nuked because they weren't paying attention, but um, it was really cool to see. So I'm super hyped for this way more than I was before because they did a really good job in, in making this really truly feel like a translation from one game to another, not just cosmetically it looks like the same monsters. That's that's really badass. That's that's really cool. I, you know, I mean, Monster Hunters, it's not it's not exactly my jam, but I, I really appreciate a lot of the work, the things that they do in that game. Uh, if, and literally just exactly what you said. So I, I got to ask, you know, what are the, the you know, if you, if you guys all had to pick like one or two things that you'd like to see, like a really cool crossover kind of thing or an inject into Monster Hunter World, what, what would each of you think would be something kind of kind of cool to, to see in the Monster Hunter World that would kind of, you know, like you know, for me, like when I hear something like that, even though I'm, I am not a Final Fantasy, I've never played a Final Fantasy game ever. If you're telling me it's that good and it's, it's, that, it's that cool of a crossover, that would, that would get me to fire the game back up, you know, because I... You know, I have it downloaded. I played it for a while. It's a fun game. It's not my thing. But when I hear about these type of events, that draws my attention to want to get back into it. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious. What do you? What would you guys like to see as a, uh, you know, other potential crossovers that would really, you know, sort of strike your interest? I know. Oh, that's a tough one. Because I mean, you you kind of have to pick a franchise that has big monsters in it, right? Like it's that's the whole point of the game. So I mean, Final Fantasy has a ton of offerings that you could do. Um, so, I mean, a lot of my immediate things come to mind would be from that franchise. Um, Which one? I'm sorry? From, from Final Fantasy. Um, just because there's so many different monsters in the, in the various games that you could bring over that would work really well. Um, I don't know, Lydia, what do you think? Are there any franchises that have, like, big monsters that would translate well? Big monsters, no. To go into big, big machines, yes. yes. That'd be cool too. Nirata Mata. Yeah, yeah, you could do some good stuff with that. <laughs> I just want to see a nine S calico. <laughs> no, on to that point though, there are some some bosses in in like Nier Automata that they're not monsters because they're robots, but you know they they would actually be an interesting fight. Um, Bloodborne. Okay, let's not terrify people too much. <laughs> we already have the rotten dragon thing. That's close that, enough. That is true. Now, Bloodborne has some actually some pretty good creatures. So really the Dark Souls series, um, or the Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne series, they've got all kinds of bosses that would work really, really well because it's almost a similar kind of fight where it's you are very fragile, um, and the thing you're fighting could easily kill you if you make a slip-up. So I can actually see anything from that franchise working. Mm -hmm. My last uh, weird one is Attack on Titan. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work mechanically. <laughs> we already have, like, the little zippy things, so we just need a big human to come in. And actually, you know, it's it's not out yet, but I mean, I'm just kind of flipping through some some more news while we're sitting here, and you know, I'm I'm looking at some of the creatures you're seeing, like in games like Anthem, um, kind of this big golem-looking thing that that's kind of been a feature in some of the uh, the demo content they've been showing off. You know, I I like to see you know stuff like that where it's like, hey, a new game comes out, can we get a collaboration between you know, kind of cross promote and kind of keep the the juices flowing for Monster Hunter, but also give a bump to um there's other titles i mean that that would be that'd be interesting too how about you bait what do you think man um big monster games i don't nothing comes to mind because i don't really think that that's that those are the kinds of games that that i play really um they did horizon zero dawn already didn't they they did there was no monster in it but you could absolutely take some of the stuff from that game and, and bring it on over it would work really well yeah because that's got that's got some pretty big uh pretty big beefy dudes i think if i'm not mistaken yep yep no there's definitely some options there uh uh so uh boy had a recommendation he said you could take like uh zur from or zur from uh from destiny and put him like in the social space as a special vendor Uh, and then you could use like like the actual like the behemoth monster from uh destiny uh or a couple of the you know, the other big uh, kind of, you know, boss monsters. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, he sells like the stuff no one wants. Or the, uh, the hive god, the big sandworm looking thing. He said that'd be a pretty good fight. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting. I, I was actually, you know, I, I'm kind of in, in line with bait here. It's like, this is not normal. Like I said, it's not my jam. But I think there'd be, there, there could be some kind of cool, uh, you know, kind of cool crossover stuff that you could do in a couple different ways. I actually like the Attack on Titan idea, by the way. I think that would be pretty legit. Something maybe a more mecha style, and I think it could be almost in terms of armor too. That that to me would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like like. Uh, do you guys remember in uh, Fable they had uh, Master Chief armor, like Halo armor? Yeah, that sounds familiar. I, I think that yeah, armor is an easy one to do. I think I think yeah. the monster is harder, but like the armor, yeah, that's that's totally doable. I know that like we had the Street Fighter one, obviously, where they had a, a crossover there. The Devil May Cry. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn had the armor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of stuff you could do that would work really well. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, like a uh, a, a javelin suit for, uh, for Monster cool. Hunter. Cool. You'd be pretty badass. No, I actually like Libby's idea of, uh, of a near Automata uh, kind of setup. That that would be, that could be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's lots of lots of options, and in, in Monster Hunter's never been uh, afraid of doing crossovers. There's, there's been a huge list throughout all the franchise of the issues in the franchise for different types of uh, crossovers they've done. I think they've even done like legend of Zelda crossovers with it before something like that. So, I mean, there's all over the place, but you know, they, they do have fun with it and it does kind of act as this like, Hey, we can kind of turn into this mixing pot of, you know, we're, we're okay with bringing stuff. that doesn't obviously make sense into the world because we understand that it's, it's for fun. I mean, having, you know, Ryu from Street Fighter running around with a sword, it, it's ridiculous, but, you know, it, it's kind of a fun event to do. So I, I always appreciate this sort of thing. And also coming with this update, so if you're familiar with the series, if there's a monster, the monster has parts you carve off, and those parts always are used to make weapons and armor. So with the Behemoth, that is not just the only thing they're adding, they're adding armor as well that is being crossed over from Final Fantasy XIV. And 
I was so happy to hear this because in Final Fantasy, I play a class called Dragoon, which is kind of this Lance um, Dragon Knight, and they can kind of jump and do a lot of aerial attacks and that sort of thing. The artifact armor, which is kind of top tier level 50 armor for the Realm Reborn expansion of Final Fantasy XIV for the Dragoon, is the armor they're bringing over for Monster Hunter. And it actually makes sense because Monster Hunter is in that game, everything is a wyvern, so it's, everything is considered a dragon. So having the dragon armor makes sense. But it is the class I, I favor the most, so I'm very excited for that. So they've got the uh, Dragoon armor from the Realm Reborn along with the Gabolg um, insect glaive. So it's, it looks like the lance from Final Fantasy. Um, and instead of a big insect, you actually kind of shoot out this like energy dragon to collect your extracts and stuff. So as someone who likes the insect glaive and someone who likes the Dragoon, this is perfect for me. So I'm very, very hyped for it. There are also a couple other small things. So there is a Kuliaku. So I, I guess in the story behind this crossover, uh, an Aetherite crystal, which is kind of like a, a teleportation crystal of Final Fantasy, has gotten transferred over to the Monster Hunter world. And the Kuliaku, which is this kind of bird thing that likes to pick up rocks and hit you with them, he grabs the crystal, but it like mutates him into like this giant version. So he's absolutely huge and then beats you to death with the crystals. So that's going to be probably a cool side quest. Uh, new Palico outfit, which is going to be a is it a, is it a Moogle Livy? I think there's speculation. I don't think we actually got confirmation. Okay, on okay. So Moogles are kind of these cute little creatures from Final Fantasy. Um, and then there's a new outfit for your Poogie, which is the pig that runs around the home base, uh, and it turns it into the Behemoth minion from Final Fantasy. It's this little kind of plushy-looking uh, Behemoth minion, which is pretty awesome. And of course. Uh, the best part is is that they are seeding the world when you're like doing the hunts for these Final Fantasy creatures with uh, cactuars, which are, you know, my favorite little animal from Final Fantasy. They're these little cactus dudes. And if you hit them, they like explode with like 10,000 needles everywhere, just mulch everything in the area. So I'm pumped to see those guys coming through as well. So this is like the best update ever for me. Like all of the things I would love to see in a crossover are in there. So very, very cool. I'm very excited for it. Um, this is launching August 2nd, so a couple weeks here. So it's just before the launch of the PC version of the game, so I don't know if this will be part of the PC version or not. Uh, PC version is coming out on the 9th, I believe, so one week later. But on the 2nd, the Behemoth update will go live. And I don't think this is temporary. I think this will be available going forward. It's not like you have to do it this week and you're done. It's just it's being added to the game, period, and you can have fun with it. So very excited for that. I just wonder if they're going to have like a John Wick crossover. That's all I want to know. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they've already got it Fortnite, so I mean, it only makes sense. <laughs> I was watching some Fortnite, I think of season four, and I was like, hold on a second, rewind. I'm like, is that is that a goddamn John Wick reference? And I'm like, that, yeah, it's got to be what they're going for with that guy. So that skin was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. It, I think even though it would not be a Blizzard thing to do, if they would dip their toe in this world of like, how do you do like kind of those, the the uh, pot, the good natured homage to another character or IP, like can you imagine like for uh, in Overwatch like for limited time, like hey for this week, you know they throw in like a bunch of crazy, crazy kind of reskinned versions of of the existing characters and all kinds of popular popular folks, that'd be that'd be pretty killer. That'd be pretty killer. <laughs> that'd be pretty badass. No, I mean, this that's that'd be really fun. Okay, so let's talk about some political legislation because there's a whole lot of it going on this week. So um, Germany updated their laws regarding, it's effectively changes to how contracts are regulated. 
so in short, it's basically like if someone signs a contract and you are asking for a down payment or any money up front, that you must give them like the time that they will have that contract fulfilled. So like if you're buying a new house and they're building the house or whatever, they actually cannot collect money from you as part of the contract until they actually say the house will be finished on, you know, this day. And so that's kind of in the broad sense, but can anyone think about why this would affect video games specifically? So let me tell you a story about a man named Zell, who at one point was a rich and powerful man, tall, handsome, good hair and everything. And then he found this game called Star Citizen. And he started putting money out like it was crack. Like he's literally a walking YouTube video because of Star Citizen. Like that's the real reason Zell's not on the show. We're not entirely sure that we have proof of life of him because he, we're not sure, but we hear that Chris Roberts sent out a missive to all of his uh, adoring fans and were asking if they cut off the pinky finger of their left hand and mail it to him along with their latest check for Star Citizen. That's probably why. <laughs> oh man there actually is is some star citizen news we'll get to in a second but what makes this interesting is it applies to video game pre-orders so the idea is that if someone says hey pre-order this game like pre-buy the game right and you give them money they have to tell you the release date of the game at the point of receiving that money and we see it happen now where it's like hey pre-order the game it's coming out this summer that's not okay anymore. They actually have to say it's going to be this day the game is released or they cannot collect money for it from you. So basically pre-orders are the ones that require like money up front are dead at this point in Germany because of this, this change to the contract laws. So well, now how precise does it have to be? Cause like if you go on PSN, like and you, and you pre-order something, it'll say like, you know, October, 2018, is that precise enough? Or does it, does, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you go into, like, your, your Xbox or your PlayStation or, or Steam right. or whatever, how precise does that need to be? I'm looking at the, the translation because it's obviously written in German. So it says, um, uh, da, 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 da. in the case of contracts concluded outside business premises and distance contracts, the entrepreneur is, ob is obliged to inform the consumer in accordance of Article whatever of the introductory act of the German Civil Code. The, the information provided the contract is fulfilled with this obligation shall become part of the contract unless this uh, – that's all – legal shit um delivery service and the date by which the entrepreneur must deliver the goods or service and where appropriate the procedure followed by the entrepreneur to deal with the complaints so it sounds like they want like an actual day like day month year that this thing is going to come out it's not like just a range it's a we can't collect money from you unless we have the guarantee it's going to happen now at this time and this apparently is coming out from the fact that there was a big issue there where you'd have like endless like star citizen level delays where it's like yeah it's gonna be on this day and then actually next year or 12 months from now or six months from now and it was a big problem where they were kind of like we want to get their money up front and then just kind of push off our obligation for an unreasonable amount of time so you know who knows if they'll kind of loosen up on that like has to be this day um it might be like within a reasonable amount of time because you know how the, the legal stuff gets but like a you know within a month this this month of October or whatever, it's probably within reason, but I'm not sure if that is specifically how they're going to interpret that in Germany. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. So that's that's definitely a thing. You know, like, you know, that's, I don't know if you, were you going to touch on the, uh, the loot box issues that, that uh, CSGO is having as well? Yeah, yeah. So likely this, this whole contract thing won't spread anywhere else. I don't think that 
other countries are too concerned about pre-orders on video games. But the loot box one is obviously that a big one that's been bouncing around uh, Europe a lot. So uh, in Belgium and the Netherlands, they basically had kind of the same conclusion that, hey, uh, we deem that loot boxes um, for some games or some specific games are in violation of gambling laws, specifically Belgium and Netherlands. Uh, Counter-Strike, uh, Global Offensive, so CSGO, is one of those games that they named as the loot boxes in this game are problematic. And the reason that they were an issue is because you buy the loot box, you get a random roll, you get the item, and then you can trade the item to somebody else. And what was happening is people were basically buying these things from each other because, you know, hey, I'll trade this to you, send me upwards of like $1,000 for some freaking knife skin or something stupid like that. So, Jesus. yeah, yeah. It, 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 it turned into like, there was like a gambling ring where people would use like these skins for knives and shit in CSGO as like collateral for these gambling things for like matches and stuff. It was crazy. So what happened in June is that Valve basically said, okay, if uh, you are in Belgium or the Netherlands, you cannot trade loot. We're just going to cut that off entirely because that kind of fulfilled, you know, the requirements of it's gambling because you can, you know, gamble and trade this. Therefore, it technically has real world value because people sell these things. So Valve said, okay, we're just, you can't trade, period. Um What's happened now is they've said, okay, in the Netherlands, I'm not sure if Belgium has gone the same way, but in the Netherlands, they've said, okay, we will allow you to trade, but you simply can't open loot boxes anymore. So you can't make use of the loot box system, but you can trade items that you have or, or want to obtain from other people. So it, it kind of keeps that trade market open, but effectively they have just shut off loot boxes entirely within the uh, country of Netherlands for CSGO. That's, I don't, I'm, that's interesting to see how they would, how they do that. You know, like, how, cause I could be playing right now with a guy from the Netherlands. How do I, how do they stop me from giving him a thing? Or, or is it probably like localized to their account? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some ones and zeros guys that can figure that out, but that's, that's a, you know, I, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but it's like, you know, yeah, I got it. It's Belgium and the Netherlands, but if they're doing it, somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else is going to, going to go down that road. I mean, they've, they've flared up that idea in the States, in the United States a couple of times. No, and, and that's the thing is it, it, it will most likely spread um, this this ruling. And now France has come out and recently said, you know, we talked about this last week. We don't consider loot boxes in their current form to be against gambling laws. So we don't need to outlaw them, but we don't think that they're necessarily a good thing either. So we should probably come up with something to do about them. Um, so there, there are mixed signals out there and I'm, I'm really curious to see how this is going to spread around and in what form it's going to take. Um, because it's obviously it got kind of to a frenzy with like Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yeah. Most of the industry is not nearly as bad as that. Um, and most are, are fairly passable. Like I don't particularly care for loot box economy. It's just, it's not something I like investing my money in, but like Overwatch, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, it's not a big deal. Um, because it's not like a, a gameplay thing, but unfortunately, you know, loot box systems that are not as, you know, pervasive as like Star Wars Battlefront 2 was are still going to get hit with this wave of, of regulation. And it's unfortunate that, you know, things got to a point where governments took notice and decided to step in rather than the industry just kind of, you know, keeping it reasonable and they, they pushed a little hard. And unfortunately, this is kind of what's become of it. Yeah, I think ultimately... Uh... You know, I, I am certainly not a fan of loot boxes, but I think if if you took the, the relatively simple step of um, here's the loot box, here's exactly what's what 
what is in it, and here's the odds of each of the, that you could get each of the things in it. And it was very, very clear and upfront before you purchased and or opened a loot box. I, like I would be okay with that, like as a kind of a middle ground. Yeah, and I think that's much more reasonable. I mean, like we talked about before, when you play the lottery, if you flip over the ticket, it says, here are your chances of winning. And it's a very small number, yeah. but people still play it, you know. Um, but I think a lot of the reason why they don't want to do that is because if you look at, like, Destiny 2, for example, the size of the loot pool is so huge that your chance of getting the thing you want is probably way lower than you actually want to think it is and you might be far less inclined to actually purchase that item because those odds do not look nearly as good as you hope they are, you know? Well, the, yeah, I mean, I, well, I would offer this just, you know, I actually think the, the loot pool in Destiny is incredibly small. That's one of the reasons why the loot boxes in Destiny aren't that bad. Uh, but I think if you if you translated that to, imagine imagine loot boxes in something like Diablo. Oh, yeah, that'd be insane. Or, or, or in Destiny 2, come september when forsaken hits and they have random rolls uh that's that that would be bananas if you had weapons or armor in it uh if it's but if it's um you know cosmetic stuff or whatever again i mean diablo is a good example that that is that is a game that is considered a, a you know gold standard for you know if you want a large loot pool you know gauge it against how big diablo 2 is yeah i mean it's effectively infinite because you can have any any twist of roles, you know, where it's, yeah. you're never going to find the same exact thing twice, same exact, same exact thing twice. Um, so yeah, no, that, that would be even worse. I mean, so in that regard, yes, Destiny is quite a bit smaller. Yeah, but no, but your point, your point's still there. Now, I, I, what is interesting, um, they, it's, I, I, th- I think a lot of different manufacturers are really kind of looking at how do they, um, how, how do they, how do they find that, tolerable band that they can operate in for you know like live service game monetization which and let's be real i mean let's you know you, you gotta be kind of an adult adult about it you uh, yes you buy a quote-unquote base game uh which is more or less your your price into the club nowadays for a lot of these games and then you have um you know more or less yearly fee you know like a yearly update fee that goes with it because it's a live game that, that updates periodically so and, and amongst that you, you also want to offer microtransactions which i actually i'm pretty okay with it I, i'm i'm i think it's a i think it can be a good and healthy model if if you can find that sweet spot i don't i mean loot boxes aren't it um i don't think at least not in their current form like i said probably overwatch is one of the most benign versions of it um it kind of it kind of really depends on sort of uh, what you're going after. I think uh, you, you know there's cl- there's that clear demarcation line of if it involves gameplay, not just game looks, uh, that starts to hit all kind of red flags and you know community uproar. Uh, and and then there's the theory of how much can you get through gameplay. I'm I'm actually kind of okay with some things being pay uh, like pay exclusive. You know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily mind that, uh, but they should be like rare, and and it should not absolutely affect what you're, you know, what you're doing in the game, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, if there's like an exclusive, you know, you have to pay to get this really cool looking skin. I'm so okay with that. Like that's how DLC has always worked. I, I don't expect every premium 
asset to be available through gameplay. And, you know, that's coming from someone who has disposable income for people that are younger and don't have a job. I can see the frustration there, but for me personally, I'm like, I don't really care. I just don't want to have to gamble to get it. If you just want to say, hey, this is five bucks, here you go. I'll, here's five bucks. I'll take the thing. That's I'm cool with that. It's just the the random nature. I'm just like, yeah, I'll pass on that. Yeah, I, I do. I do think that there's going to be, you know, before it's all said and done, I, I think at a minimum, there's there's going to be some form of uh, descriptive language that are that's associated with you know, the ubiquitous loot box in terms of odds and what it contains and things like that. I, I and, and I think that's, that's kind of fair. I mean, hell, I mean, that you know, in the United States, they make you put that on gambling machines. Like if you go to a casino, it's posted on the gambling machine, what your odds are. Uh, so I, I think that's okay. I mean, I, I, I think that would be fine. Um, I'm sure that the game industry folks would cringe a little bit one of the and Frank, you know, in the, in that comparison, like they probably don't even want you to make that kind of comparison because it further kind of underscores the argument that it's you know it's it's a form of gambling. Yeah, no, I I agree there too. Yeah, I mean it's it's here's the thing: I don't have anything against gambling. I don't tend to gamble much when I'm in a casino, but you know, at least inform the customer so they have the information in front of them. This is what I'm getting into. So they can make the choice, the educated choice to do it or not do it rather than just, hey, here's a random chance. And, you know, you might get the thing you wanted because people are really bad at risk management. So, you know, if you give them information, at least then it's kind of putting more of the liability on them to go. I'm doing something. and I know exactly what I'm getting myself into rather than I have no clue, but I, I want to be involved. Um, that's probably the, the more reasonable middle ground in my mind as well. Yeah, that's fair. So speaking of spending money and knowing what you're getting yourself into, so Star Citizen, uh, <laughs> Zell's not here, so I'll step in and do my best to explain uh, the shenanigans going on. So, money, 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 money! Thank you. Um, so there was recently a court case where a player sued Star Citizen because they wanted a refund on all the money they had put down. So to be clear, when you we'll say donate money to Star Citizen, what you are buying is not the game, you're buying ships within the game. That's, that, that is what you're purchasing. You're not purchasing a finished product, you're, finishing a, you're, you're purchasing a finished asset within the game. So you're buying the ship. So this guy went to court because he spent a lot of money on the game. The game is not progressing as well as it should, as he expected it to. And so he said, I want a refund on my money because I am not getting the product that I purchased. And Star Citizen said, we gave you the ships that you purchased. Um, we never said that you were actually buying the game. You just bought the ships, which we delivered on. And because of that, the court awarded Star Citizen the lawsuit. So this guy did not get his refund. Um, Star Citizen won that. And now there is a new policy in place that basically if you spend money on the game, you have 14 days to request a refund. After that, it's gone. You cannot get a refund after that 14 days. So I think they were trying to kind of avoid this because they were worried about the lawsuits potentially coming in and they didn't want to make like a hard limit on refunds because they, you know, of course, want to encourage people to actually play and spend their money. Um, but because of this win now, I think they feel much more com comfortable to go in and say, hey, you got two weeks to change your mind. After that, it's ours. If we, we deliver the ship to you, regardless if you can actually do anything with it, we gave you the ship. So if you're playing Star Citizen and you spent money on it, you're already screwed because it's probably been 14 days. Um, and so you're just stuck with your like $10,000 investment to Space Pixels. 
So it's kind of interesting. Um, and hopefully people will now think twice before dropping a thousand bucks on a game because they know that there's no way you're getting that back after two weeks. So on that note, however, uh, now I, I, I'm, I'm not at all an expert on the features of Star Citizen or whatever is going on with it, but there is a mode called Arena Commander. And apparently players are kind of upset that this mode hasn't really been developed as well as they were expecting. So they decided, hey, let's burn Jita. So they flew a bunch of ships to like one of the major like stations there and are basically blowing up any ship that comes in or out of the station as a form of protest because they're upset that the game isn't progressing as well as it should have been. Well, that doesn't surprise me, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can do anything about it. Nope. And, and I bet you that, that if you ask the Star Citizen guys, they'd be like, oh, this is awesome. See, this is players doing what they want. They're, they're like trying to you know, shape the world or whatever, you know, some kind of, yeah. that is exactly what they're saying. style spin kind of thing. Yep. No, they've already spun it as, Hey, this is emergent gameplay. This is a good thing. It's like, okay, guys. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it, it, it's the same thing as the whole bird, uh, burn Gina mentality. I mean, you know, when you get a whiff on the Reddit, that there's a burn Gina going down. What do you do? You don't go to Gita. There's three other trade hubs you can go to. If you really want to sell stuff, and CCP just kind of shrugs and they say, yeah, okay. So, well, I mean, that's because it's been overused. These poor guys. Well, yeah, I guess. But these poor guys thinking that they're going to do something. Y'all need to stop. I mean, like I said, you, at this point, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. You know, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hilariously frustrating to read all these news updates coming out because it's like, yeah, so we in this update we added this ship that's two hundred fifty dollars, and we repolished the sound design. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like in your current state of development, repolishing the sound is like the last thing you need to work on right now. Um, or these YouTube videos, Livy and I will watch, and these guys like doing these reviews of ships. And he's like, okay, well, here's the ship, and it's got like you know this elevator, and there's elevator, twelve points there's... you can climb into the ship, and it's got like a mini bar here, and. Bar here. Uh, you can't drink the drinks in the mini bar and you can't actually fly the ship either, but you can sit on this planet and fire the turret at the rock over there. And it's just like, okay guys, like they're trying real hard to make something out of nothing um, with, with the star citizen stuff. So it's, it's, it's good stuff <laughs> in a horrible train wreck. Sort I, of way. I, I think, I think, is there, has there been like any kind of major kind of uprising from people that have put money into this where they're like, in a full-on like web web assault, like social media assault on you know Robert Space Industries, you know, like trying to prevent people, you know, like warn people not to give them money yet. Have they gotten to that point? So the thing is, is that for every person that is that's like that, there's also a fanboy who will equally go to the front line and, and fight against that. So there's actually kind of this counterculture where it's you know, people who ask for a refund are actually just trying to hurt everyone else and we should just shut them down because, you know, they're pulling their money out of the investment, which just hurts everybody. Um, so you do have kind of like pushes like that, but you also have people who are in support of RSI pushing back. And so RSI just kind of puts their hands up and goes, you guys can duke it out. We're going to keep doing our thing over here. And by the way, your your monthly payment is due. Um, so yes, kind of, but it's not really doing anything. Hmm. That's that's interesting. I, I mean, yeah. that's that's probably the, the the point where I would say that, that they're going to have a problem. And when you get a court case where your basic defense is, we never said we'd give you a game. We just said we'd give you ships to play. 
to play in a game that might get made, like that that tells you a lot about oh yeah you know kind of how this works. And in this court case was was fairly recent with this this new policy, so you might see some of that starting to pop up, like a really hard pushback against that particular ruling because of their argument they use. But so far, it's been kind of just players infighting and not so much anything that's actually been really you know, making RSI sweat. I think they're probably more concerned about their lawsuit with Crytek right now than anything else. Yeah, that's probably fair too. So yeah, it's a cluster. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we always love to kind of sit in here and poke fun at Zell, particularly when he's not here. So um, I can only imagine, you know, how he's doing in his ship that's grounded with a minibar. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good stuff. So we'll keep covering it because, like I said, it's fun to watch the train wreck. Was there anything else you guys wanted to cover before we kind of close this one up? No, I mean, I think um, probably probably in a week or so, uh, you know, we can we can well probably right around the time for Stake and Drops, we can probably do a bigger splash now. But uh, Game Informer is doing a great job. They've got that's their monthly cover story uh, this month, and they are doing a killer job with a ton of videos and, and uh, kind of almost like every other day, many articles coming out talking about uh, the Destiny update, which. I'm kind of back on board for Destiny, you know, watching how this is going. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how that goes. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. And, you know, I've also seen a lot of stuff coming about Anthem, um, which is kind of piquing my interest. And as much as I fervently said I'm I'm not interested in Anthem until the game comes out, it's it's starting to look kind of interesting. So uh, we might be talking about that um, in the in the short term here. But, uh, you know, there's, there's some good stuff coming out. My brother is also very hyped for, for Destiny Forsaken. I'm... I don't think I've quite drank in the Kool-Aid, but, um, you know, we'll still, you know, cover it best we can. It should be good stuff. Bate, did you want to go over uh, the best game ever, your review of it? Dude, this game actually is kind of fun. Yeah, I, 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 can, uh, I can go over that real quick. So it's a twin-stick shooter. So if you, if you don't know what that is, you, you're using your, your, two, uh, your two thumbsticks to do the movement and do the aiming. Um, but I guess it's not a true twin stick because I think normally with those games, your your uh, thumbstick also controls the firing. Um, but in this case, it, it's like left trigger on Xbox, so it, it's totally like not a big deal. Um, although your finger does start to hurt after a while because I mean you just sit there and you hold down left trigger uh, and just like spam the fuck out of uh, bullets. So um, I mean it's fun. Uh, it, it really is, and I'm kind of sad because when, when when somebody tells you that there's a game out there called Assault Android Cactus, I kind of thought that I would be a cactus, like I'd be a robot cactus. Nah, what? I'm just uh, I'm j- I, I know what? Right? I'm just uh, just a little like Let's anime kill. girl or whatever. Oh, uh, she's an android. Her name's Cactus. Um, so I mean, there, there, there's a couple of different uh, uh, androids that you can choose from, or whatever, and then you know you go through the level and you can complete it. You can complete like a whole stage in like uh, maybe ten minutes if you're super good, fifteen if you die a lot like I do. Um, and the the level selector kind of reminds me of like Sonic or something, so or or even Mario, I guess, uh, where you're kind of walking in like this. Uh, I don't know, this world overview to the next thing. And it's kind of cool. And then you, you get a grade at the end um, of, of each uh, uh, level. Um, and it, it's, it seems like it'd be a great co-op game, but like, I don't have anybody here right now to co-op with, so it's kind of sad. Um, but yeah, that's Assault Android Cactus. Uh, 
disappointing name, but it's free. So if you're looking for something fun to do, it's a it's an easy couple of a uh, couple of hundred gamer score. Uh, if you're into if you're into that, um, so yeah. All right, well, that's that's disappointing. I was hoping there'd be just a cactus know. killing everybody, but I guess not. <laughs> yes, I was oh, well. too. Maybe someday someone will will make the game of my dreams. All right, sounds pretty good, man. And that's on uh, Xbox, right? Xbox, yeah, it's one of our free games. Okay. Nice. It also looks like Steam has it as well, but probably not for free, since I know that was kind of a, a premium game for Xbox. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, that sounds pretty good. Are you guys good to do shoutouts then? Send it. All right. So uh, I got two shoutouts to two different games this week. So the first is to a game called The Calling 2. Uh, so The Calling 1 was kind of a, a battle royale game that was a few years old. It did okay. And out of nowhere, they said, hey, we're now we're going to release The Culling 2, which is like the sequel to a Battle Royale game. OK, fine. So can you guys take a guess to how many players in today's market, totally saturated by Battle Royale games, how many players do you think were concurrently playing on day one? Don't cheat. Um, eh, maybe like 10,000, I guess. 200. That's it? 200 players on day one. By day three? Player count on the server, zero. Damn. Legit. The game died in three days. <laughs> it, it was like it was like 10 on day two. Like it just completely like like just fell out of the end of the barrel of the gun and just died on the crown. Like it was just yeah, terrible. It was just terrible. And on the third day, it did not work. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, I, I mean we joke about this, but can you imagine like, you know, like there's there's probably some dudes in there with like pasty skin and yeah, like you know broken relationships right and yeah like they they just you know they've like slayed themselves for like a year straight trying to trying to finish that thing. <laughs> like oh man, literally like like die when a game dies faster than like Lawbreakers, you know, you just you just know. No, damn. Um, so you know, I, I'll give a shout out to those developers, like Jay said. This, they probably worked really hard on it, and then just to have like all of that work basically amount oh. to absolutely nothing. That's it's gotta be killer. So I feel really bad for him, but I hope this is like you know a warning to the industry. Like, hey guys, you might want to cool on the battle royale stuff like a little bit because like there's so many of them that you can have one that releases like not like a well-known IP, but like an IP that's like not indie either, and just have it like die in three days. That's that's a really really telling sign. So, you know, maybe they'll back off a little bit, but probably not. Um, my other shout out goes to a mobile game, which I think is going to be coming to PC soon called balloons tower defense six. So, um, if you're familiar with that series, it's a tower defense game. Uh, I started playing like back when the first game came out, like on PC, I think I discovered it like in my geology class in college. So that it's been a while. Um, but it's basically like a tower defense game. You just drop down these little monkey towers and they have special powers and they pop balloons as they kind of travel down the path. So it's, it's nothing innovative, um, but it's a really solid, well-built game. Um, it's available on Android. I'm not sure if, if Apple has it or not, but it's like five bucks. Um, I've gotten a ton of fun out of it. It's a really good game. So kind of my, my suggestion for this week is if you like tower defense games and you like playing on mobile, uh, Bloons Tower Defense 6 is a really solid choice. So uh, keep an eye out for that one. All right, Livy, cool. you're up. And yes, Apple does have balloon tower defense. Nice. nice. <laughs> uh, my shout out goes out to France for winning the World Cup. And that's it. All right, Bate, you're up. Uh, yeah, so uh, this past, I guess, week and a half or so, I was, uh, I was out of town 
uh, a couple of buddies of mine uh, and, and myself went up to uh, Montana to do some hiking and some camping. So uh, shout out to those guys that went with me. That was really cool. Um, let's see what else. What else I got? Uh, I got a couple of buddies who are going off to boot camp tomorrow. I know that they listen. So uh, shout out to y'all. Love you guys. Hope you do well. Um, what else? What else? I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. All right. Sounds good. And Jay, you are up. Okay. Uh, so my, uh, my shout out goes to a guy named uh, Broman, Professor Broman, who's got to put on Guardian Con down in Tampa. Uh, that's, the, that's kind of the big community event for Destiny. Uh, that happened this past week uh, slash weekend. And they partner with St. Jude's, uh, you know, can, uh, research, Kids Research Hospital. Uh, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal location uh, that does just. Uh, I, I I can't I can't tell you enough what St. Jude's does. If you've got a if you've got a kid with a serious disease, you know, like advanced cancer or some very rare uh, health problem, um, they will transport you to St. Jude's, put the family up in a, in 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 a house or a hotel, and that and you will never see a medical bill. And it is truly cutting edge, like world leading technology in, in pediatric care. Um, and, and little, little insight, uh, when, when boy was nine days old, he was medevac to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and spent two weeks there. Um, and they basically had to, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, open him up, take everything out that was inside of him, fix it and put it all back in. And when I say everything, I mean, almost everything. Um, and that was a nine, nine day old. So, and he's nine years old now. So, so I've got a kind of a soft spot in my heart for St. Jude's, but check these numbers out. So they raised, uh, reportedly, and this is, and this looks like these aren't pledges. This is actual money that has changed hands, uh, over $2.7 million for St. Jude's over the course of the weekend. Uh, and that's, that's a, a ton of different streamers coming online. So they have the actual physical convention down in Tampa. And then while that's going on, uh, they have like the biggest content creators on the internet, uh, that are, they kind of do around the clock sort of charity, uh, charity streams for them. And, and it's, and there's some phenomenal videos out there of $10,000, you know, donations occurring. Uh, there's a $100,000 donation uh, going on during uh, this guy named Ninja's Fortnite stream. Ninja's probably, he's probably the biggest Fortnite player in the world. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. So that's a, that's a really cool event. Bungie was there. They actually sponsored the first one. It was called Destiny Con. They've kind of backed away from it. Now they go support it and they actually had the full Destiny team out there and they had all the, you know, the, the new Gambit gameplay stations set up for everybody. And they, they made a big deal out of it. And they really supported the live streams as well. They did a lot of giveaways during the streams and stuff. So hats off to Professor Broman. He's the, the guy that uh, kind of helped put, put that on the map over the last three years, really. Uh, fantastic event by the Destiny community and you know, kind of sponsored by Bungie for the benefit of St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So that's my big shout out to them. Uh, and, and I recommend you know, just go check out some of the videos that were associated with that. It, it's pretty crazy. You know, there, there's a lot of neat videos of, streamers that were hitting different marks and they're like okay well i'll shave my head i'll get a i'll get a tattoo while i'm playing Fortnite, you know or you know all kind of all kind of neat stuff it's it's it was a neat sort of window into kind of the gaming community and what it what it does other than just play games 
All right. That's really good, man. It's good stuff. You know, it's always good to see people, you know, making that sort of thing happen. And it's always really cool to see. So very nice. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, P.S. I just pulled up some numbers from Forbes. Right now, Epic Games is bringing in approximately $300 million a month from oh Fortnite. Oh, my God. Yep. That sounds about right. That's what we had confirmed for May. So, I mean, it's it's insane. Like, that's a lot of money for a video game company. Oh, before we go, um, I remember there was a question last time if uh, PC versus console gaming was popular. Um, and now the country escapes me for which place we were talking about. Belgium? No, we were talking about uh, Japan. Paraguay. No, no, no. It was like, no, 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 it was like uh, South Korea. Oh, or... yeah, yes, Korea. yes, for, for Destiny Guardian. So South Korea. Yes. Oh, South Korea. Yes, so PC by far. Really? Okay. okay. Makes that's sense. Like, that's like, that's like their Makes blood. <laughs> now, you said Korea, South, South Korea, yeah, they have a... a oh, no, I'll, t- I'll totally yeah. buy that. Yeah. I, I, I 100% buy, buy that all day long. I, I think that is a... Like, I think in the Asian Asian markets, um, that, that, that PC gaming is by far um, kind of where it's at. I, I'm curious... I would be curious to see how that is in other locations, that, like how that kind of regionally breaks down there. Yeah, it may be interesting. Okay, so I think the one last thing I have before we kind of close this out, uh, just to kind of give people an update. So, so regarding Project Nova, uh, you know, the FPS game by CCP Games, uh, we are going to start kind of putting together some videos of, on a way to let people kind of catch up on all the information that's been released. It's been a trickle of information for literally years now. Um, I don't know kind of what this game is all about, some of the systems, that sort of thing. We've always had that information archived on our website, biomass.com. But it's a lot of reading to get through. So what we're going to kind of do is kind of pick out all the important stuff, um, do a series of videos on them, kind of telling you, like, here's, you know, kind of what the game's about. Here's how drop suits work. Here's how fitting works, that sort of thing. Um, and kind of release those over the next coming weeks here. So keep an eye out for that. Um, it's all available on our YouTube channel. You can find the link to that on the website. But just want to give people a heads up that that information will be coming out in a more easily digestible uh, format coming soon here. So... That being said, guys, uh, if you have any topics you want us to cover or if you want to be on the show, do let us know, biomass.com. Get all the contact information there, and you can give us a ring. We'll do our best to take care of you. But that being said, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.